know where you find yourself today. If you're seeking God, you just clicked on the link, you're curious, you're wondering about who Jesus is, this message is for you today. Maybe you've been in church for 20, 30 years and you're looking for encouragement or you're looking to keep, keep going and keep growing your faith. This is for you today. We all have a past and God all wants something incredible for our future. The question is, how do we get to that future? Well, Paul is going to answer that question today. I don't know if you've noticed, but we've had a lot of opportunity to reflect during this pandemic. Like, lots of opportunity to reflect. The whole world has come to a crawl, and we've had the opportunity to look back on the way things were. One of these situations in my house of looking back was my oldest daughter, Ruby, went uh, under the storage in our stairs. Now, I don't know if you have one of these storage areas in your house, but it's like old, for me, it's old gaming consoles, comic books. Um, you go back to your high school pictures where you're like selfieing before. I didn't have an iPhone or an Android, right? We didn't have any of these smartphones. We just had cameras, right? And you're doing selfies with like the Polaroid cameras. Yeah, I dated myself a little bit there, right? But you look back at all these old photos. Well, she, she pulled these old photos out and, and, and she began to look at them. And it's interesting when we look back on those old photos, when we look back on our old life, it's amazing to see how far we've grown. Now, some of us, like myself, have gained a little bit of weight, right? We got a few more creases in our face. I didn't grow up wearing glasses like I do today, and now I wear glasses, and my hair was a little shorter. And when I look back on some of those old photos, you know, like all the hair trends, you got like the super emo one going on, you got different hair colors. I had blonde hair with like black patches everywhere, right? Trying to express myself. I've got all of that stuff, right? And when you look back, you, you see how far you've come. And, and when I look, looking at those photos I, I was looking at myself and I was like but I don't feel like I'm that guy anymore like God has done so much in my life and changed so much about my life th that when I'm looking at these old photos I remember that insecure kid that was trying to figure it all out and today I just have so much more confidence in Jesus God has done so much in my life that when I look back at these old photos it's almost hard for me to step back in those shoes because I don't feel like the same person anymore. And what we're about to go into today and the teachings that we're going to be going into and the teaching we're going into today is the Apostle Paul, who's this figure around the time, just after the time of Jesus' life on earth. He's this r religious leader who persecutes Christians. And, and then instead of persecuting Christians, he eventually has this radical transformational moment with God and all of a sudden starts building the church. He goes from destroying the church to building the church. And then through this time, God does such an incredible work in his life that he actually ends up writing churches to all these, these letters to all these different churches. And what happens at that time is God uses him to build the church and, and to encourage the church. And one of those letters he writes is to the book, is the book of Colossians to the, the church of Colossae, a young, vibrant church who's growing in their faith. And Paul writes a letter to encourage them. And in the verses we're gonna go into, the Bible's broken down into books, chapters, and verses. And in the book, the book of Colossians, chapter 1, 21 through 23, what we see in this text today is that Paul, the writer, is going to remind us that we've come from somewhere and God has brought us to some place new. 
And so I don't know where you find yourself today. If you're seeking God, you just clicked on the link, you're curious, you're wondering about who Jesus is, this message is for you today. Maybe you've been in church for 20, 30 years and you're looking for encouragement or you're looking to keep, keep going and keep growing your faith. This is for you today. We all have a past and God all wants something incredible for our future. The question is, how do we get to that future? Well, Paul is going to answer that question today. And before we jump into the, the text, I want to pray with you. And we believe that church online is more than just viewing some program. We believe that it's transformational, that God can bring hope and life. He can bring peace into your living room, or he can bring peace into wherever you're watching this today, that you can have joy, that in the midst of loss or in the midst of things that are challenging or difficult, in the midst of all that, that God can bring you hope. And our prayer is that, but we also know that, 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 that as we invite God in, that he begins to work those things into our life. And so let's pray, believing that God is going to change us and reveal himself to us today. Father, thank you for this time together. I ask that as I speak from your word, that it connects clearly with those listening. God, I'd ask that you'd bring hope and peace, restoration to relationships, that you'd inspire those who need inspiration, that you'd bring joy to those that are uh, in sorrow or those that, are, that, that those are having a challenging time, that you'd bring comfort to those who need it. By your spirit today, God, we'd ask that you would fill us, that as we walk away today, that we would be changed by you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done and what you're going to do today. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, you can open up to Colossians 1, 21 through 23. Now, if you don't have a Bible, you don't, need, you don't need to worry. You can download it on your phone. You can open up Google or you can go to uh, Bible.com or Bible Gateway. You can open up these programs and you can just type the verses in. I do want to encourage you that if you have a physical Bible, pull it open, mark it up, begin to write in it. It's a living book and we want it to speak to us because it does speak to us. So we need to open it up. Let's get our, our head in it today. We're jumping into Colossians 1, 21 through 23. If you have your Bible, you can open it. Here we go into the verse today. Paul starts here in verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But now, those are good words. He, that's God, has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now, these three passages that we looked at today are going to reveal three aspects of the Christian life. The first aspect that it's going to reveal is what we once were. For those of you that are exploring and digging into the, the Christian faith, um, you might be at this place right now that you, you haven't started a relationship God, with God or you're just beginning your relationship with God or you're seeking God. But for those that have been in the Christian faith for a while, God found us at one point and changed our lives. 
But we did have a point in which God was absent or God wasn't at work or it wasn't, wasn't full in our life or, or, or we weren't allowing his work to penetrate our hearts. And so that's what we're going to, what it's going to focus on is in verse 21 is it's going to focus on what we once were. But then verse 22, it's going to focus on where we now stand. And, it, and then it goes to verse 23 and how you must go forward. So the three aspects we're going to look at today is number one, we're going to look at where we once were. The second is that we are going to look at where we now stand. And the third aspect that we're going to look at is how we must go on, how we must move forward. So let's start with that. What you once were. Well, the, Paul here tells us that at one point we were alienated for God and we were enemies of God. We were opposed to the truth of Jesus. In some respects, that can be the exclusivity of Jesus. In other respects, that can be just like, ah, just, that's not for me. That's just a, a, a bunch of malarkey. You know, and what Paul is saying here is that it wasn't that we were just apathetic, but we were antagonistic. We were against God, enemies of God. But the good news for those that are in Jesus, and the good news for those of you that are watching across the camera, is that that isn't our story for those of us that are Christians, and that doesn't have to be your story for those who are watching on the other side of the lens. Because Jesus has provided a way back to God. Jesus has provided a way forward. What Paul is saying here is that once we were in isolation, once we were lonely, and once we had a deep sense of not belonging to something greater, now these needs of isolation, of feeling isolated and wanting to be connected, the, the need of feeling lonely but wanting companionship, the need of belonging to something bigger than ourselves is fulfilled in Jesus. And for those of you that are part of the church, this is your story. You are a part of something bigger. Something bigger than a building, something, something bigger than an idea. We are part of the kingdom of God, the family of God. We are now connected to Jesus. But at one point, we weren't. About 10 years ago, when I was just beginning to pastor, uh, I had, uh, we had a bit of transition at the previous church I was at. And during that transitional time, I was asked if I'd begin doing some hospital visits. Now, I was a bit keen because I was young, <laughs> you, you know, and, but I also just wanted to help people and I wanted to connect with people. And that was something that's something I still enjoy, but it's something that, that I, I, I really view as a privilege as a pastor is, is being in those spaces, those especially challenging spaces with people. And so I got this call to go visit somebody at a hospital. Now, I must say that there were some people uh, at that church that, that just had this incredible heart to serve those who are, who are hungry and impoverished in our city. And then it did a phenomenal job at connecting with people that just didn't have very much. And this man that I was going to visit, his name was Tom. That's what they told me at the time. Tom was, was one of these people that they had connected with. And they said, you know what? We just think you would be a great person to go connect. And so I said, sure. So I remember driving to the hospital. I'm like, I only know like one or two things about this situation. 
You know, I don't know much about what's going on. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation before where, where, where you kind of, oh, I don't know what to expect. And, and you kind of have this, this, this feeling in your stomach that it's probably going to be bigger than you wanted it to be, or it's going to be more challenging than you thought it would be, right? And so I, was, I went to the hospital, and as I arrived at the nursing desk, um, and not all nurses are like this. My, my wife is a nurse, and she's lovely, and there's many other nurses at the church and healthcare workers, and a lot of amazing healthcare workers. This one nurse just seemed to be a bit salty, you know, a little bit salty. And so I went to go say, hey, I'm here, and I'm here to go visit somebody, and I'm just walking up to the nursing station. And you know when you kind of get that look, like, why are you here? Like, you're kind of bothering me just being here. Uh, and so I walked to the nursing station, I'm like, hey, how's it going? And, you know, and she had the look like, why are you here? Why are you here? Now, why are you here? He said, uh, "Hi, my name is Josh. I'm a pastor. It got worse when you say it. Sometimes when you say you're pastor, some people are like, oh, that's great. Some people are like, I just don't like you. <laughs> you know, just on airplanes, I noticed that in particular. Like, but uh, I said, hey, um, I'm a pastor, and I'm here to come visit a man named Tom. As soon as I said the name Tom, it went from like, why are you here to like, are you serious? You're here to see Tom." And, and her whole demeanor changed, and I was like, what am I in for here, right? And so she said, are you sure you wanna, you're here to see Tom? And I said, yep, yeah, I'm here to see Tom. She said, okay, well, follow me. And so I remember I followed her into the, this hospital room. There's a lot of sheets around. There's probably four or five different people in there. And I remember turning the corner, and uh, Tom was a bit of an older man and long hair, long nails. Bit, bit scraggly hair and, and pale blue eyes. And I remember he looked at me and he said, why are you here? And uh, I was like, oh man, you know, in your head, you, you, you're thinking as fast as you can to come up with some good answer. And I was like, well, I'm here to see you, Tom. And he's like, well, who sent you? And I said, well, I'm here on behalf of the church and I'm a pastor. And he's like, you're a pastor? At the time I was 26, 25. And he's like, you're a pastor. You're just so young. Like, are you sure you're a pastor? I said, yes. I'm a pastor, and uh, the church, you know, somebody called the church and said that you'd like somebody to come visit, and so here I am. And he's fine, sit down, sit down, and he said, well, where's your Bible? And I said, well, I got a little Bible in my pocket, don't worry, I can, I can pull out and encourage you some verses if you need to. And I remember sitting down, and super gruff out, um, exterior, language was a little bit rocky, I've edited a lot of it. <laughs> But I remember sitting down beside his bed and he just began to explain to me his story. Isn't there something amazing about just sitting and listening? And he began to tell me about his story, how his kids no longer talked to him and he called and called and called and called and called, they wouldn't respond. He blamed himself and many people would for the actions that he had made, but he was separated from his family. He had a girlfriend that he lived with in, in their van and um, in their camper. And she had passed away a few years before that. So he's all alone. He was isolated. He was alone. And he didn't belong. It was amazing to me that as our friendship grew from that point on, yes, we developed a friendship, that as he was in the hospital a couple of different times, as I went to go visit him a few different times in the location that he lived, my heart just broke for Tom. But over the years, through those that ministered to him in the church, through bringing bread or just praying for him and saying, what do you need? And just as our friendship began to grow, he knew that he would, there was people that cared and loved him. You see, the, one of the reasons that we need to remember that once we were separate from God is that there are other people that are also separated. And when we realize how much God has brought, how much he's done for us and that he's brought us into his family, 
so too do we need to embody that to the world around us. That we help those that feel like they're on the fringes belong. That we welcome them into our church and we love them. The way that I learned to love Tom. And what I learned that day was we're all searching to be known. We're all searching to belong. And though his story was a challenging one and there wasn't uh, a month that went by during the time that he was alive that, I, that I, we didn't connect, I just kept thinking and I still think about Tom. And when this verse comes up about isolation, we were once isolated, we were once alone, but God has brought us into this incredible family and that's where it heads into in verse 22. It says, but now, if you read it, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. That's through his death and his resurrection, as we see, through death. And it says, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. To present you holy. You see, the verb here, present, was used in legal language, meaning to bring another before the court, to present you. And you'd feel like, man, I've done some things in my life. I've done some good things, and I've done a lot of bad things too. Things that if the court knew about, I probably wouldn't look so good, right? There's things that I've messed up on. I've sinned. Like we read, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So too, we've all fallen short. And we feel like if we were to stand in front of God, a perfect God, and stand in front of his judgment, that a perfect God would point out the things that we've done wrong. But here is the beauty of what Jesus has done, is that Jesus takes our place. And what that means now is we are presented pure before God. That as we come before God's judgment, we're no longer accused, but we're free. We're no longer we are, we are guilty of sin, but we're no, it's no longer counted against us because of the work of Jesus. That's good news. So where do we now stand? We now stand rescued. We now stand forgiven. You stand as a son or daughter of the king. You are loved. You are encouraged by your heavenly father. You are pure. You don't have to work for purity. You are pure in Jesus. Do we have to work that out? Yes. Do we have to work for it? No. We are forgiven. And in Jesus, we are pure. And you are holy, which means to be set apart. As you accept Jesus, remember, he has done all the heavy lifting. Oh, that's good news. It's no longer about the work that you have to do. It's about the work that Jesus has done. You must now do the work of learning and growing, but not for the sense of approval to our, mighty, our Heavenly Father, but out of the sense of knowing that God now approves of you because of the work that Jesus has done. You have a new life. You have a way forward. And you are now pure. The point of change was the cross. And now all you must do is accept its finished work without blemish, like spotless. In the Old Testament, when somebody would offer a sacrifice, it, they, would, they would bring like a sheep or they'd bring a dove and they'd place their hands on the sacrifice. And, and what this meant was 
it was symbolic of this pure animal that was without blemish, no, no defect, it, was, it wasn't defect at all. And they would put their hands on it, and it would be a reminder to them that, that they could aspire to something better. And the key word there is as they put their hand, that uh, they would aspire to be holy. You see, that sacrifice would make a way, but it wasn't a lasting one. Again, the children of Israel, it wouldn't change. They, wouldn't, they would have to keep giving sacrifice and keep giving, have, have to bring a sacrifice. And they would keep aspiring and they would keep aspiring. And what Paul is saying here is we no longer have to aspire to purity in Jesus. We already have it. We are without blemish. We are without fault. He makes us clean. We are holy not because of what we do. Not because of how many times we go to church. Not how many times we read our Bible. We are made holy because of our faith placed in Jesus. Paul is now saying, you don't just need to aspire. You are made right before God in Jesus. That is good news. Remember the photos I spoke of earlier at the beginning? I now look at those photos of who I am. And I'm thankful for how God has saved me and changed me. I'm thankful that he's molded me into a man of God. That he's helped me take, my, take new steps forward and become a man of God. And for many of you, that's been your story too. And for those of you that are watching on the other side of the camera and you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus yet, the good news is this. That today, you can put your faith and your trust in Jesus and you are made pure and you are forgiven. You're a child of God. All it takes is receiving Jesus' finished work. Looking back reminds me of how far I've come and reminds me of the good work that God has done in me. I am no longer the same man that I once was. I think many people would be shocked by the man I once was. But the grace of God has carried me here. And the grace of God has transformed my life. So I was once in a place alienated from God, but now I stand before him connected. Lastly, when we look at verse 23, it tells us how we must move forward and go on. It says, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. In other words, if you hold on to Jesus tightly, he'll do that work in your life. If you fill your horizons with Jesus, that he'll fill you with that confidence. He'll transform you. And it says, this is the gospel. That means good news that you have heard. And that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. In other words, he's saying this, continue in your faith and in your trust of Jesus. Like I said, it's time, it's time, it's time to keep moving and growing. Continue in your faith. It's time to keep growing. That's what Paul is saying. It's time to keep holding on. It's time to keep trusting. It's not for another day. It's not for a sunny day. It's not when you have more money. It's not for when you can finally have more faith. Today is a great day to start. Be content with the gospel. Don't look at all the different places. Look to Jesus. Let him fill your horizons that, and look to him because he was the one who first saved us and will continue to deliver us. 
And maturing in our faith, what does that mean, maturing in our faith? It's like when a toddler starts learning to walk. Like as a parent, when my kids first started to walk, it was like, they're crawling, you know? One of our kids went from sitting on their butt to, to walking, and I remember that moment, right? And you're standing around that child like, oh man, man, I gotta make sure they don't fall, I gotta make sure they don't bonk their head, and, and then they start walking. Well, years later, they're running, and then they learn to ride a bike, and then, and then they start gaining their independence, and then you hit the teenage years, and, and then it's kind of like, well, I don't actually need you anymore, mom and dad, right? And then you kind of go through the teenage years of gaining independence and figuring out who you are. And it's such a transitional part of, of a, a person's life. And then you head to college and then it's like true freedom and independence. Or you, you head to the workplace and you begin establishing who you are and you begin to work towards your future, whether you go to school or you begin to trade or you begin entrepreneurship and you go into all these different veins and, and then you begin to keep growing. And eventually the parenting relationship turns to a friendship. Eventually it, it, it turns into something more. And recently I was talking to my, my in-laws and we were having a conversation about parenting. And I thought this was so fascinating, is that I think in my mind, I thought once the kids leave the house, then it's kind of like you're just free from those parenting duties. Somewhere as a new, as a new uh, parent, I thought that. But we had this conversation, and, and my mother and my father-in-law were just saying, well, once the kids leave, you still have the same concerns. The hope is still there. The belief that they're going to continue to produce good with their life. That they're going to continue to pursue God. And the reason I use is still there. And the reason I use this example is because it's true of our faith journey. At the beginning, right, everything's so full of wonder, right? It's like, oh, this and all oh, that. And I'm learning to walk. Look at this. Look at this, you know. And, and then we get, there's phases of our faith that if we're not careful, we're like the teenager, right, where we oppose God. It's like, I got this, God. I'm independent. I got this, God. And we think we're so right all the time. But as we mature in our faith, one of the things that is so incredible about Jesus is he's closer than a brother. And at some point, like the parenting journey, we get into a place where Jesus still has authority in life, but he also is closer than a brother. He's a friend. He's a friend that walks closely with us. And as he fills our horizons, as we spend time with him, we begin to learn how Jesus would live. We begin to learn God's voice and walk in step with him. That we would find Jesus as a close friend. Not just some distant God, not just somebody who died on the cross, but a friend. And this comes through the maturation of your faith. This comes as we begin to develop and we begin to grow. And in all these stages of life, they can be connected to our stages of Christian growth. That at some point we get to a place where we just know that Jesus will always be with us and carry us. So we keep asking ourselves, why does it matter to look back? Why does it matter to remember what we have now? And it's for this reason. That now is the time for Christians to help shape the future. Not just let the future be shaped, but to shape the future. You see, now is the time for Christians to dream about a better future. Now is the time to speak hope into situations where there is no hope. Now is the time to live generously despite uncertainty. 
Now is the time to overcome that darkness in your life and what? Lead others towards that freedom. Now is the time to align ourselves with God's goals. Now is God's time. Now is your time. You have all you need to accomplish all that God desires for you. That's Paul's point here. You have Jesus, who is closer than a brother, that friend. You have Jesus, who cosmologically has changed all things and gives forgiveness and salvation to all people. You have the Holy Spirit's power, and you have the opportunity to make change. And the world needs Christians to rise up who are connected to Jesus, who fill their horizons with Jesus, and go boldly into the future, trusting in His power. It's better late than never. You thought, oh, it should have been 10 years ago. Oh, it shouldn't have been 20 years ago. Those are the good old days. We don't look back to just be nostalgic. We look back to say, God, what do you want to do with my life? And if you look back and there's regret, today is a new day. The mercies are new for you today. You can take the step forward. Now is the time. Now is the time. Not someday. Now is the time. An old hymn writer his name is Robert Murray McChaney. You might know this song because we've sung it in church. Hillsong put this to uh, one of their melodies. It's an old hymn as well. But he wrote this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And when I look back at the last 20 years of my life that Jesus has changed me and grown me and matured me, I look back and I see his faithfulness. It isn't all the good things that I've done. It's standing on his promises and on his word. It's believing him for who he is and dreaming about a future that God could transform and change lives, believing that as we step out boldly and we speak hope and life into people, that God would help encourage and transform them. It's believing who Jesus is. It's not living this small, isolated Christianity, but this bold, faith-filled, confident life. Sharing this hope with your friends, inviting them to church online, Inviting them to, into a Bible reading plan with you. Inviting them to your e-group online or to your small group. Being generous with them, with your time, with your resources, with your words. Come on, church, now is the time to dream big. Look back at all that God has done. Look back and see his faithfulness. Look back and see that God has always been with you. Because what this passage reveals today is what we once were, where we now stand, free, pure in Jesus, and how we must go on in a bold commitment to giving our life and our everything to the kingdom of God for his glory. So one day we'll stand before him and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. And if you're there across the camera and you haven't taken that step, the good news is this. 
is Jesus offers it to everybody. And today, you could take that step. You might feel like, well, I'm that one that's not in relationship with Jesus. I'm the one that's separated from God. The good news is that Jesus has made a way. He's died, he rose again. He said, I forgive you. I make you pure. I help you take your next step forward. I don't, it doesn't matter how much you've failed. I see your life and I love you. It doesn't matter how much brokenness in your life, my grace is sufficient for you. All we have to do is accept his gift of salvation. And if that's you today, if this is the first time you're saying yes to Jesus, or maybe you've walked away from your relationship with God, and you've been doing whatever for a long time, and you want to come back into relationship with him, you can pray this prayer too. Wherever it is that you find yourself, whether you're separated from him for a period of time, or this is the first time, I want to encourage you to take your next step with Jesus. To say, you know, I see who he is, and I want to give my life to him today. I accept this. I accept forgiveness. I accept Jesus. If that's you, pray this prayer with me today. Father, thank you that you love me and that you sent your son. I ask for forgiveness. Thank, thank you that you wiped the slate clean in my life. Thank you for new beginnings and a new start. Thank you that the old person is gone and the new has come. That God, you will make me more and more like you. Lead me and guide me, I pray. Holy Spirit, take my life, use it, and help me live out the purpose that you've called me to live. Amen. Oh!